This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host, Chris Simpson, and joining me today is Cara Thistlethwaite. Hi, Cara. Hello, everybody. And unfortunately, we're joining you in this episode following Chelsea's predictable 2-0 win over Newcastle on Monday night. Basically, a repeat of the last time Newcastle met Chelsea, 2-0 defeat. And Newcastle's terrible record against Chelsea continues, certainly at Stamford Bridge, where Magpies haven't got a point since 2012 and Chelsea just absolutely flying at the moment now six matches unbeaten under Thomas Tuchel and now five consecutive wins well you started off very positive 4-3-3 formation looked like you were going to go all for it and you did you know I think it was very positive the thing is Chelsea were attacking with a lot of width and I think that was really difficult for your defenders especially especially with their lack of Mankio and Yedlin it was noticeable he didn't have that pace or the experience down the wings. Lewis looked like he was struggling quite a lot. And you could see they were just spreading your defence all over the place, especially the first half, but second as well. Yeah, that pace of Timo Werner against Emil Kraft really sort of tore him apart all game, to be honest. And I have to say, I'm not quite as positive on the performance as you. I think, of course, always going to be difficult going to Stamford Bridge and, and trying to impose yourself on a side of Chelsea's calibre but I, I felt we didn't test Kepper enough I think obviously he's that big weak link in Chelsea's side and with Thomas Tuchel choosing to go with him instead of Edouard Mendy I thought that was a bit of an opportunity which we then missed you know not really testing him enough not getting enough shots on target when we did get forward but I was hoping for an Allison style mistake obviously that didn't happen as you say you just didn't you didn't test him he made one good save, I think, in the whole game, but you only had about two or three shots on target, to be honest, so you didn't really have an opportunity to muck up. Yeah, and the the game was was over, really, in the first half. Um, those two goals uh, from Olivier Giroud, who, of course, came on after Tammy Abraham went off injured following that uh, tackle from Jamal Lascelles, and then, of course, Timo Werner ending his goal drought so those sort of two goals in that space of eight minutes in the first half and that really just sort of killed it off as a contest I felt uh, despite the odd moment in the second half where Newcastle did go forward yeah Werner was ripping you apart left right and centre Werner just controlled everything really uh, his pass to into the boxes was always dangerous and say so Giroud scored and, and yeah I mean that's 10 goals for Giroud 21 appearances that's this season alone I've only had nine starts so out of those nine starts and 21 appearances 10 goals that's pretty good considering he didn't really play much last season and he is a bane of Newcastle United at this in his career so it was predictable and he played very well for the whole game and obviously just his mere appearance makes watching that game much more attractive yes I have to say I am 
very jealous of his magnificent beard. <laughs> and yes, he, he you know he's a player who has come and punished Newcastle in the past. I think you know he's he's un, he's an underrated player. I think Giroud um, certainly last season. You know he really didn't uh, get that many opportunities under Frank Lampard, and I think he's had a bit more of a lease of life this season, both under Lampard and now showing what he can do under Tuchel as well. And you know he he opened the scoring then you know with that well what what was actually quite an easy finish after sort of Darlow parried uh, that brilliant ball in from Timo Werner into his path you know he, he just sort of drifted back towards the penalty spot found that sort of pocket of space sort of didn't get sucked in and you know and then he was just left with that easy finish which I think sort of shows his intelligence in the box he's, he's difficult to play against he's strong very good in the air hard working and he's just got so much experience with internationally and at club level as well, Premier League. He's just in the right space all the time. His positioning play is is excellent. So any form of space that you give him, he's going to punish you for it. And unfortunately, your man marking rather than zonal market the whole time just left those gaps all over the place. Yeah, and I think we saw that in that second goal um, from the corner. Timo Werner I mean a deserved goal from him and of course he could have had that one earlier which ended up actually being quite a big miss uh, not that it mattered for Chelsea in the end but yeah as I say that corner eight minutes after Giroud opened the scoring obviously sort of bundled at home after the ball had sort of deflected or ricocheted off Jamal Lascelles but I think really the, the crux of, of that second goal came down to as you say poor marking from Newcastle it was Lewis who was supposed to be marking Werner. Wasn't really anywhere near him in the end. No, he's and... just... I, I don't know what it is about Lewis. Lack of experience in that position. But he's just... You're definitely missing your, your, your left back and right backs at the moment. That there's, that there's That's a major issue. And, and obviously, as you say, from that corner, that's now nine goals Chelsea have scored from corners. So you need that ability to defend... And he was just nowhere near. He just took his. It was just ball watching. Yeah, I think it was his his inexperience that cost him there. But really, I think you've also just got to look at that lack of organisation on the corner and from set pieces. I think that's the kind of thing that I'm not sure we might have conceded that goal under Rafa Benitez. I know as Newcastle fans, we we do often go and compare Steve Bruce and Rafa and how the team performed in both, but. One thing we were under Rafa is we were, really were quite defensively solid. We were very organised at the back. And I think once again, Newcastle are showing that we're just, you know, they're, they're just not tight enough under Bruce. And I think, you know, it's it's come and cost us again. Yeah, I mean, the positive is even despite all that, you were still going forward, especially in the second half. We saw that you were playing much more positively. I think the problem is whenever you had the ball, Either everyone was already behind from defending, so your your breaking out from the back just wasn't possible. There's was no one to give a forward pass to, and so Maxman was just defending out of the game. Really, he just was not given an opportunity to play the way he wanted to play, and as a result, there was just no way out for you at, at all. He just just couldn't he couldn't get it out for you, um, and then the rest of him you had some good chances with Fraser and Willock. They had they had some good play together excellent crosses in the box but yeah they're just not enough not enough to test Kepa and yeah I, I think you were let off to be honest I think the, the Chelsea could have won that 4-0 I 
I mean, definitely, it, it could have been four 0 at half time. I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mason Mount, uh, and I've, I've said as well, Werner. Werner's had several chances that just, I don't know whether I, th- I think he just could have made a different choice, and that would have given him a better opportunity to score. I'm not saying anything negative about Darlow because obviously I think he's been an absolutely key player for you, and I don't think he played badly in this in this game. I just don't think there was much else he could have done. And yeah, I mean, your defender, your defense can't. Well, your goalkeeper can't play without a defence, really. It's just not really fair. Yeah, it was it was a difficult game for Newcastle, especially at the back. And then, of course, going forward, Sam Maximan, as you say, yeah, you know, quite a quiet game. I think Chelsea did well to just sort of nullify his threat, unfortunately, because he is one of the players who can make things happen for Newcastle and even test those bigger teams just because, you know, he's so good on the ball, but just didn't happen for him. And... You know, I, th- I think Newcastle obviously missing some firepower in Callum Wilson, uh, which you know we'll get onto his absence shortly. And now, following you know Fulham's two 0 win over Everton, they're only seven points behind Newcastle now with a game in hand. And I have to say, as a Newcastle fan, I'm I'm very worried that we could go down. I think you know Fulham have certainly improved under Scott Parker in in recent weeks, as reflected in that great result at Goodison Park and you know they win that game in hand only four points behind then and I do worry for us well I said last week you'd wanted to see your team playing with a bit of heart and being entertaining now entertaining I think is is a bit of a strong word for that match however what you can say is they did give good pressure against Chelsea they were very very high up I mean that did leave them open at the back he substitutes and they're saying the second half with that extra injection of pace with uh, Fraser who just managed to get wide and I think having that width just made a real difference for you there were glimpses but I think there's still a lot there's a lot to sort yeah I think I still would have liked to have seen just a bit more urgency from the team given the situation we're in again always difficult going to Chelsea and trying to impose your game plan on them and it's certainly not Newcastle's natural way of playing certainly not in recent years anyway but I, I think I would have just liked to have seen just a bit more fight from them given the quite dire circumstances you know as reflected in the Premier League table but predictable as we say Newcastle not a good record against Chelsea uh, certainly at Stamford Bridge where you know they haven't even managed to get a draw um, let alone a win since as I say, 2012 now. So, Yeah, I mean, I get man-marking in it as a place, but that much space and still doing it in the second half, just think that was a that was a massive mistake there tactically. And as we said, you know, that loss of Callum Wilson, you know, didn't... His absence meant that, you know, Newcastle didn't have that sort of clinical outlet at front where, you know, you know that if you get the ball to him in that dangerous position there's a good chance you're going to get something I think well just sort of moving on to the news section obviously the biggest news from the, the last week coming out of St James's Park is of course that you know Wilson he's going to be out for a few months with that hamstring injury he picked up last week and you know as we mentioned you know in our previous episode of course 10 goals and 5 assists in the Premier League this season so you know he's a massive loss for Newcastle Especially when you know you sort of you go through the list of Steve Bruce's alternatives in forward areas, and there isn't too much 
to inspire you uh, going forward. You know, Miguel Almiron, he's the next highest goal scorer with five in all competitions this season. Andy Carroll's got you know that one goal since he returned to the club in 2019. Obviously, we all, we all know how Joe Winton has struggled since his move. Um, Star know. player. <laughs> you know, he's, he's he's only got the three goals this season, two of which, of course, were against Morecambe in the League Cup. And, you know, in, in 55 Premier League appearances overall, well, 56 now, actually, uh, after the game against Chelsea, you know, he's only scored the three goals. And uh, I, I don't quite know what's up with Joe Winton. I don't... He has pace... He showed some form of desire to get the ball this match. Anyway, I know he came on. He wasn't starting, but he came on in, in, and he was running, and he was getting towards the players. He just never seems to be there in the box when you need him. I think he has. I think you know he he had that difficult start to to life. You know, at St James's Park, of course. He's got the number nine shirt, so there's the huge weight that comes with that, and that forty million pound price tag. And I think he's really suffered uh, from a lack of confidence in front of goal. I think he, he I think he, he sort of shies away from from getting in the box and really putting himself in in those goal scoring positions. And then, of course, we've seen you know too many times when he, he has been in those positions. You know, he sort of fluffed his lines. Um, and I, we could really do with him coming good in the next few months with Wilson being out. And of course, you know he, he came on against Chelsea. Dwight Gale was the player who actually got that starting nod, but you know he's only got the one goal this season. Now, of course, he hasn't played very much. This was his first start, but his record of twenty six goals in one hundred and twenty six Premier League games not the most inspiring. Um, I thought he played well though this match I mean well to the extent of well he was never really given an opportunity on the ball but I I thought he was quite good as a team player I don't think he did anything terribly wrong I just think he didn't have any opportunity but yeah he just I mean it was was a difficult night for him you know it's not like he had much to work with in terms of chances but you know I, I think he's never really convinced me at Premier League level I think he's Something much more prolific in the championship, which I suppose will be useful next season since I think we'll be playing there. But I think, you know, between them, Gale, Joelinton, Carroll, Almiron, Sam Maximan, we, we do really need them to, to step up in the coming months. Otherwise, I think relegation is, is really looming large. And in other news, of course, this week, um, Steve Bruce and Joe Willock have become the latest sort of. Uh, figures in football to re- reveal that they've received either sort of death threats or or racist abuse on social media. Steve Bruce has opened up and said that people have been wishing that he died of COVID on social media, uh, which of course comes amid those death threats made to Mike Dean the other week, and then of course the racist abuse aimed at Joe Willock comes amid you know so many players coming forward the likes of Marcus Rashford Anthony Martial Warren James of Manchester United women and many more you know coming forward and revealing this really quite sickening abuse that they've been receiving on social media I just don't understand why people think that it's acceptable or that they should do it I just oh such a big man being able to say it on a screen I just don't I don't get why that's cool I don't get why you would even bother to become a keyboard warrior as it were over such 
pointless things. I just, why would you go to the extent to wish someone was dead? Why would you go to the extent to be racist about it? This is 2021. I don't see how people can still feel that that is acceptable. Or even like, it's a shock value. It's not, unfortunately, it's become not shocking. It's just become another sickening thing done by people who are faceless on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, who also think they, A, have the audacity to say it, B, they think they're right, and C, absolutely nothing is done against it. It's just, it's mind-boggling. I think that's the big thing. I think, you know, these social media companies, I think that they really need to do so much more to police this. They haven't done nearly enough. You know, the amount of of comments you see on these on these platforms that are made after every game or just doesn't matter whether there was a game or not just fans uh, you know well I'm almost loath to call them to call them fans um, but you know they just they seek out these players or, or managers or what have you on social media and just vent this um, just absolutely vile vile abuse and there's no excuse for the likes of Twitter and Instagram you know these huge huge companies there's no excuse for them to not be banning people, to not be so much more active in preventing that kind of abuse being aimed at people, that kind of language being used. Yeah, I think they need to make a stand. The thing is, we're now in a society where people feel they can say whatever they want. And it's in football, politics, our lovely tabloid newspapers, feeling that they have the right to say things that are hateful because it will sell things, it will make them look good to certain aspects of the population, it will make them look cool. It's just, if someone took a stand and said, no, this isn't right, someone big, like these social media companies, and there was a consequence for doing it, then hopefully then that would start to trickle down into the rest of the so-called mankind that populates these areas on Facebook just to, I don't know, have a thrill? Is that it? To feel like they have some form of power making somebody else's life miserable? Yeah, I, I just don't understand it. I, I, I can't understand that mentality. I mean, well, I don't think any reasonable people really can, to be honest, but no, and I mean, on a personal level, I'm just sick of the sexism as well, especially within sports. Yeah, you, you know, you look on, say, any uh, social media post, anything to do with women's sport or, or black people in sport or in any really walk of life, and you only have to scroll down to the comments section to see some, some really awful stuff. Um, I mean, God forbid if you're a black woman. It's It's terrible, and I think... You know, nothing's really going to change until these companies start really making a concerted effort to actually sort it out. And, you know, if you've got to get rid of thousands of people off your platform, then you've got to do it. And the world isn't going to be a worse place without them, is it really? Let's be honest. On a positive note, though, your other poster boy, Alan Shearer, had an interview with Kevin Keegan. Yeah, uh, King Kev, absolute club legend, of course. He turned 70 on, on Sunday, on Valentine's Day. And, you know, he, he did an interview with Alan Shearer for The Athletic, where I just wanted to share this one quote 
with you where he basically perfectly summed up Mike Ashley's reign at Newcastle, which of course, you know, he kind of knows better than anyone. And he said, it's difficult to run a club and please everybody, but you'd think it was impossible to run one and please nobody. And I think if that doesn't sum up Mike Ashley, I'm not sure what does. His terrible reign over the, the club. Um, of course, just linking back to that Chelsea game, Thomas Tuchel, of course, ahead of the match, he, he was linked with the Newcastle vacancy in 2015 and he confirmed ahead of the match that while no one at the club actually contacted him, you know, amid those links, he would have actually been interested in taking the job. Now, Tuchel, of course, has since gone on to manage Borussia Dortmund, PSG, and of course, he's now at Chelsea, you know, he's won silverware. And who did Newcastle go for instead? Steve McLaren. I mean, what a, what a step up that was. And we all know how that one ended <laughs> with Newcastle being relegated. Of course, obviously, Rafa Benitez was in charge when we actually went down. You can't bring a ship back that's already sunk, really, can you? I mean, he's a good manager, but he isn't a miracle worker. Yeah, and to be honest, the fact that he almost kept us up, I think, is a testament to, you know, to his abilities. And of course, he managed to bring us straight back. But how different when it's the a, last few years could have been. Yeah, and it's a lack of decisiveness as well from your owner, Mike Ashley, I think, because he should have brought someone in a lot earlier. Yeah, well, of course, he, you know, we we stuck with John Carver. This was, of course, after Alan Pardew left um, at the end of 2014. Just say what a glorious run of managers you've had so far. It's just, it's, an, it's amazing. Well, this was two years into his <laughs> eight-year contract. Which only came to an end last year. Uh, we'll move on now just to just uh, taking a quick look at Newcastle's next fixture. Uh, it doesn't really get any easier uh, where we'll be playing Manchester United next Sunday. I think that's the concerning thing as well. You do have a tough couple of runs in, and Fulham is not so tough. Every opportunity for you to get pushed down into that bottom three within the next two weeks... Yeah, that gap could really be closed if Newcastle don't manage to get some more points on the board and if, if Fulham, you know, continue to get some more positive results. Now, you know, Manchester United, they have only won one of their last five league games, which was that 9-0 thrashing uh, of Southampton. And, you know, they, they were held to that one-all draw last time out against West Brom. Can I just say we did the 9-0 thing first? And I actually think that they're just trying to you know one up man because they're a bigger team but we did it first guys we broke them <laughs> well hopefully we won't have a repeat of the 9-0 <laughs> next Sunday unless of course it's going in Newcastle's favour um, yeah I can't see it happening myself <laughs> unless Joe Winton does an absolute madness oh my god could you imagine I mean that that'd um, be entertaining I'd record it and play it back constantly I'm not even sure my wildest dreams would let me imagine oh, that oh god if Slabhead just got an own goal as well I don't actually dislike Slabby I think he's a great player I just don't think he's an 80 million pound player but <laughs> whatever <laughs> we got 80 mil <laughs> well we'll see how he gets on against the, the might of Joe Winton Andy Carroll and oh, Dwight Gale next week it'll be a test hopefully United will be tired because of course they've also got that Europa League trip to Real Sociedad on Thursday so fingers crossed that maybe takes a bit of a toll on them though 
Uh, whether they'll actually put a full-strength team out for that is anyone's guess. As for Newcastle's recent record against Manchester United, well, they've won two of their last six meetings with United, but Red Devils have won, of course, the other four of those, including the last two, which were both quite comprehensive 4-1 uh, wins. And it's also obviously worth noting that this one's going to be at Old Trafford. And Newcastle haven't won there since 2013, which was that 1-0 win courtesy of a goal from my dreamboat and yours, Johan Kabay. Whoa, and don't you assume who I'm attracted to, but yeah, he's pretty attractive. I don't know, Giroud or Kabay. It's difficult. Sorry, I got distracted. They're both very handsome men. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, of course, there was that 0-0 draw at Old Trafford in 2015. But, you know, a bit better record than Newcastle's at Stamford Bridge. But not exactly, you know, too encouraging either. Of course, not many teams have great records at Old Trafford. Even Manchester United haven't had a brilliant record there this season, so you never know. The thing is, they're playing quite well at the moment. They are playing well. Are they going to want to give up that second spot? Yes, they've been doing very well, actually, under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think, obviously, they still have their ups and downs. The That draw against West Brom. It's hilarious. <laughs> Certainly, they wouldn't have been too happy with with just getting the point there um, but you know Big Sam does what Big Sam does <laughs> I want Big Sam to be manage you he already has I know but again he's just fun <laughs> I don't I can't see him coming back while Ashley is around and that I can't is, see any managers coming back while Mike Ashley's around <laughs> that's the one saving grace of keeping Ashley around is he's he's already pissed off Big Sam and Big Sam's not going to come back that's the one plus we have <laughs> Well, that's it from us today. Uh, please give the podcast a like and subscribe. And, you know, if you could leave us a positive review, that would be absolutely fantastic as well. Uh, until next time, this has been Magpies Unrestricted, and I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks again, Cara. No problem at all. And thank you, listeners. Until next time. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.